scripture reading today comes from Ruth 2, the whole chapter. <laughs> Please open your Bibles and read along. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went, and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is a young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be, for, be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening, then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of God. Amen. Thank you, Nahi. All right, so um, for those of you who might not know, Pastor David 
and Heidi are traveling overseas. Um, so in their absence, or in his absence in particular, we have Brother Kevin, a guest preacher from Captivate Church. And uh, Brother Kevin will be continuing his sermon series through the Book of Ruth. So if we can just give um, Brother Kevin a warm welcome as he comes to preach the Word of God. Come on, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Oh, I mean, is, that, is my mic on? Yeah, it's picking up. Great. Awesome. Well, uh, good morning. Uh, it is great to be with the faithful few, <laughs> uh, but it's really good uh, to be gathered uh, with you guys or um, to be worshipping our God uh, together. Uh, well, let me tell us about uh, uh, the other day. Uh, I unknowingly entered um, the deadly YouTube black hole. Uh, my videos of choice uh, was the classic Bondi Rescue. Uh, I don't know if you've watched it, but it, it is a good show. Uh, but generally, basically, the show goes after a rescue at Bondi Beach, which is usually some foreigner. Uh, they would interview the people involved. Uh, and during one of these interviews of these videos I was watching, they interviewed this surfer uh, who helped in this mass rescue of a group of tourists, Asian, which is great. Uh, he was so he was recounting his experience and, uh, th and the types of he emotions he was feeling. Uh, what was going through his head. Uh, and then, then there was one line that caught my attention. He said that he was only able to do this because he was in the right place at the right time. Uh, he, he equated his efforts to just a coincidence. Him saving people wasn't because of his heroic spirit or it wasn't because he was looking out for them. Uh, it wasn't even because he wanted a chance of fame. It was just because he so happened to be there and people needed help. Now, I'm sure you have experienced something like this before. Maybe it wasn't something big like this, but maybe it was bumping into your friend in the least expected of places. Maybe it was seeing a celebrity. Maybe it was catching your kid in the nick of time as they were falling off the couch. Now, a couple of years ago, I, I, I experienced this as well. Uh, it was the day when my dad suffered a severe stroke. Uh, it was a day when my mum and I would usually be at work or out all day. But my mum so happened that day, out of all the days, decided to call in a sickie just because she wanted to. Shows that even parents feel t taking days off when they don't want to. But... What that meant was instead of finding my dad on the floor five hours later after the stroke, my dad was in the hands of paramedics in a matter of moments. My mum was at the right place at the right time. But as we saw in Ruth 1, this isn't true for Naomi and Ruth, is it? Naomi has been living in the wrong place at the wrong time. Naomi had been alive at the wrong time. She was caught in a famine, and, and then so she moved to Moab. And then her husband and her sons passed away. So she once again finds herself in another famine in a foreign country with no one to provide for her. Naomi had lost everything, and her life was anything but sweet. Naomi was in the wrong time at the wrong place. And so where we left off last week was, uh, with Naomi was Naomi returning back home, 
with Ruth along her side because she had heard that God had returned back to Israel and there was no longer a famine. And the question we were left off asking was whether God had abandoned her as she returned home. The question that we're left asking is, who is going to provide for Naomi now that she has no one there? And that's where Ruth 2 picks that up for us. And so to help us go through Ruth 2, uh, I have three points for us as we track through it. Uh, they are one, coincidence, I think not. Two, kindness no, like no other. Three, hidden in plain sight. And the big idea for us is this. God provides for his people in the seen and unseen. Let's pray before we get stuck straight into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and it is true. We thank you, Lord, that uh, through your word we come and have life. And through your word we come and know you. So we pray, Lord, today that you'll help us understand your word that you'll give us what we do not have, that you'll make us what we are not, and that you'll let us understand your word and apply it to our lives. And we pray this in your son's precious name. Amen. So at point one, coincidence, I think not. Now, as Nahi was reading Ruth 2 for us today, I wonder if you felt that Ruth seemed to be at the right time and right place. Uh, on the surface, it really did seem like that, didn't it? with a sprinkle of coincidence and a sprinkle of hard work, Ruth was able to turn Naomi and her misfortune to a great fortune. Now, if we were to read Ruth 2 just as a story, this is what we would know as plot armor or just a really bad story. But like I said last week, stories like these in the Bible always has more than meets the eye. And it's only when we start looking carefully do we get to see what might be happening in plain sight. Well, let me pick up reading again from verse 1 to see how there might be more than we expect. So uh, verse 1, it says this. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of the grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she went, uh, set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is uh, the Mo young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves of after the reapers. So she came, and she continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Now, first off, we're given a narrator's comment uh, in verse 1. Um, it's a comment that gives us some context, and it's only known to us as the readers. But we are told that Naomi, unlike what we thought, or unlike what even she remembers, 
did actually have family back in Bethlehem. Uh, it wasn't direct family, uh, but it was in a man called Boaz, who was her husband's close relative. And, and, and so as good story readers, this should make us get us thinking. Who is this Boaz person? What is he going to do? How is he going to affect our story? And then so the, the, as the narration goes on, we cut to our next scene after this. And as we saw last week, Naomi and Ruth had arrived in Bethlehem without any food and at the start of the barley harvest. And so Ruth, rather than sitting on her bum and doing nothing about it, she asked Naomi if she can go glean. Now, if you don't know what gleaning is, that is totally okay because I don't know what it was either until I looked it up. But gleaning is basically picking up scraps. Uh, after the reapers, whose job was to cut down the crops, and then another group of people would go pick them up, gleaners would be even further back, picking up any leftover seeds or crops that might have been missed, in hope that they would have enough for a meal. If you had to put it, an image in your head, gleaning is like trying to put food on the table by just collecting bottles and cans and going to a return and earn machine. Gleaning is hard work. But it's not only hard work, it's also unsafe work, especially for Ruth. Ruth was by herself. She was a foreigner, a Moabite woman, an enemy of Israel. She had no family besides Naomi. And she, even if she had trouble come to her, she wouldn't have anyone to turn to. Which is why when we read of Ruth going to glean and it so happened to be the field of Boaz, there should be some sirens going off. <laughs> what a coincidence. Out of all the fields that she could have happened at, ended up at, she ended up at Boaz's. The same Boaz that was a close relative of Naomi. Ruth ended up at family property. Ruth seems to get lucky, doesn't she? But I want to ask you this. Do we think it's just coincidence? Or is something else working here? Let me give you a little hint. Because the fact that Ruth went to glean actually already shows God at work. Uh, in, in God's law that he gave to the Israelites, uh, there was actually a law about gleaning. Uh, tucked away in the book of Leviticus, uh, a, a book about how Israel is to live as God's people after the giving of the Ten Commandments, God says this, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your fields or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. When it was time for harvesting, the Israelites were told to deliberately leave crops in their field. This was God's welfare for the vulnerable. God calls his people to care for those who are less fortunate than them, the poor, the widows, and to the foreigners. Gleaning was something that God had instituted, and here we see a Moabite woman experiencing that grace from God. And so with that scene in mind, Boaz enters. 
that Boaz enters into his fields, and what was the first thing on his agenda? Was it to check on the harvest? Or was it to check on his workers to see if they were slacking off? No, it was he greets his workers, his, his workers greet him back, and then instantly he asks about Ruth. He, he notices her, and he wants to know who this stranger is in her, his field. And this manager of the reapers tell him that she's a Moabite woman, a foreigner, a political enemy, someone with different faith and values, but she is the one who comes back with Naomi as her daughter. But Boaz's question here actually really sets up the rest of the book of Ruth. Because as the story continues, Boaz takes quite an interest in Ruth, and his interest leads him to do some pretty amazing stuff. So we're at point two, kindness like no other. Uh, let me pick up reading from verse 8 for us. It says this. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young woman. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men to touch you, or not to touch you, and when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take a notice of me, since I am a foreigner? What Boaz does is pretty amazing, isn't it? He tells her not to go gleaning anywhere else. To, to come closer to the women who are picking up the barley. He tells the men to not touch her, to even let her drink the fresh water whenever she is thirsty, which his own men had to go and fill. We have to remember that this was a time when men would try and sexually assault other men. We have to remember that this was set in a time where everyone had their own interest in mind and were willing to do whatever they could, to do, do whatever they, they want, to get whatever they want. Yet here we see Boaz, true to his description. Boaz was truly a worthy and godly man. Boaz was a light. He was a light in the darkness of times of the judges. But this was too good to be true for Ruth. She starts off her journey with nothing. She hopes to find a field where the owner will even allow her to, to reap from it. And then the first field she goes to treats her like no other. Not only is she allowed to go there and glean from these foods, but Boaz treats her with unexpected kindness. Ruth's fortune seems to be turning around. And so Ruth is so moved by his kindness that she falls to his feet and in disbelief ask her, or ask him, why? Why are you showing a foreigner like me such kindness. 
Boaz tells her, and this is what he says in verse 11. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you have left your father and your mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to uh, given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wing you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Boaz explains to her the reason why he is offered provisions, protection, and water is because he has heard everything she has done for Naomi. From the day that Ruth's husband died to even leaving her home, her rest and her security to come and live in Israel. Ruth left everything behind. She denounced her homeland, her culture, her gods, and she took on the Israelite identity. So here is something special in Boaz's words to Ruth. Boaz speaks to Ruth not as a foreigner, but she speaks to her like an Israelite. Boaz recognizes that Ruth has taken refuge under God's wing. That's something that God gave, uh, something that God said he would do for Israel back when God gave Israel the Ten Commandments. And, and, and Boaz sees that Ruth trusts that God will provide for her even in the most bitter of times. I, I hope you can begin to see here in Ruth 2 how God's kindness is actually being poured out in unseen ways. On the surface, it might seem that Ruth was just in the right place at the right time. It, it might seem that Boaz was just a nice guy. But God was providing for Ruth and Naomi through Boaz's faithfulness to God as he obeyed the laws that were put in place before they were even born. There is so much to commend about Boaz. He is a model for all of us of how we can be gospelly obedient to God's law. But through Boaz, we ultimately see God's kindness and his faithfulness and care for his people. But the story of Ruth and Boaz doesn't end here because Boaz doesn't only follow the law, he embodies it. At verse 14, at, and at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some of the bundles for her, and leave it to her to glean, and do not rebuke her. Boaz invites Ruth to come and sit at the dinner table amidst his, his workers. Uh, he feeds her like everybody else, 
to the point where she even has leftovers. He announces to his workers to let her glean in the best of spots where his workers were. He instructs them to help her harvest some of these crops. You see, Ruth was not gleaning anymore at this point. She she wasn't collecting cans from the trash. Boaz treats her like one of his workers. Boaz went above and beyond what he was called to do, but Boaz's unexpected kindness was what was at the heart of God's law. At the heart of God's law was God showing his people how to embody the love of God that he has for his people. At the heart of the law, God desired for Israel to love and care and show compassion to each other. He desired for his people to be generous because they, that they know that God is the one who provides. And in the time of the judges, isn't this a breath of fresh air? You see, in God's graciousness, God provides for Ruth and Naomi in seen and unseen ways. God provided through Boaz and through an unseen law that was forgotten, probably. If not, it wasn't well practiced. But sometimes God's kindness in our lives can feel a little bit like that. Sometimes God's kindness in our lives can feel a little bit like, where's Wally? Uh, Wally, the wizard, Whitebeard, Wenda, Wolf, Oddlaw, all hidden in plain sight. As a kid, barring the fact that I didn't know that you're meant to find other people, Wally was all that matters for me. If I could find Wally, I'll be off to the next page. But that's because I actually got frustrated when I couldn't find the other members of this crew. Uh, even though they were there, just because I couldn't find them, I would say that this book is defective. But often all I needed to do was take a step back, take a breath, and out comes the rest of the gang slowly before my very eyes. But isn't that how we often treat God, when we're in the wrong time, at the wrong place, we forget that God is with us. We forget that God actually cares. We say that God is defective. But often we just need to take a step back and cast our eyes away from ourselves and to God. And as we do that, slowly, we begin to see how God has been working, even in the toughest of times. And maybe it was your spouse who perseveringly has been with you, reminding you of God's grace. Maybe it was a time when you were just reading the Bible and God's word just clicked. Maybe it was a time when your friends had been telling you to come back to church. Maybe it was just a simple trip away from your usual day and you were reminded of God's creation. 
there will be moments in our lives where it's hard to see in that moment. There will be moments where we ask God where he is in all of this. There will be moments where what the world is saying seems to be true. There will be moments where your friends tell you that God is not at work. Or even still, there will be moments when Satan tells you that God has abandoned you. But I hope in Ruth 2 so far, it's made you notice that God works in ways that we might not be able to see or expect. Naomi and Ruth didn't know how they were going to be provided for. But Ruth trusted God. Ruth doesn't know how God has provided for her. But God has provided for her in abundance. She sees some of the picture. She sees the wender amongst the chaotic pages at this point. But she hasn't been able to see the full picture. She hasn't been able to spot everyone at this moment. And it's the same for us. We will have moments in our lives, big or small, where we might be able to see where God is, but not the full picture. But so far in Ruth 2, we are reminded that God provides through his people in seen and unseen ways. Well, we're in our last scene now. Uh, Wally is found. How God has been providing for Naomi and Ruth which was hidden in plain sight, becomes plain to them. And so at point three, hidden in plain sight. So in our last scene, Naomi enters back into the story and she sees actually how God has been providing for Ruth and for herself. Let me read from verse 17 for us. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned and what it was about, uh, what, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw that what she had gleaned. So also brought, she also brought out uh, and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. Now remember, gleaning is collecting bottles for return and earn. It, it's picking up the scraps. But Naomi, uh, Ruth returns to Naomi with a ephah of barley. Or in other words, a grown man's full day of work. Or in other words than that, 13 kilograms of grain. Boaz's kindness to Ruth allowed her to work the same amount as her normal workers. And, and, and so when the bitter Naomi saw this, her bitter tone changes and she sings a sweet tune once again. Verse 13, uh, 19. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name whom I, uh, with whom I worked today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, 
he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young woman, lest it in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young woman of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley har- and the wheat harvest, and she lived in her mother, uh, with her mother-in-law. Did you notice the change in her tone? The bitter Naomi who comes back and tells everyone to call her Mara sings a sweet tune praising God because she sees how God has provided for her through Boaz. Now, kindness is one of those loaded words in the Bible because kindness is more than just walking someone across the street or helping those who are in need or buying someone coffee. The word kindness in the Bible is a word that describes God's kindness to his people. It is a word that captures a kindness like no other. It is a word that describes God's love, mercy, and grace, and goodness, and providence, and faithfulness. It is a kindness that moves a person to act for the benefit of someone else's sake without a regard for themselves. And that's the kindness that Boaz showed to Naomi and to Ruth. In Ruth 2, we see that there is more than meets the eye. Even though we might not be able to see it, God is kindly providing for them in ways that extend beyond just food, water, and protection. But I hope as we read through Naomi's and Ruth's story, you've found it somewhat relatable. I I hope you can see the similarities between Naomi and Ruth's story to your life. We have begun to pick up how God has been working in your life in seen and unseen ways. Maybe for you, you are more like Naomi at the beginning of Ruth 2, where it's hard to see how God is working. Maybe you are battling a never-ending illness, feeling stuck at work, tired and weary from life. Maybe you face wave after wave of disappointment, unmet expectations, or even feeling the pressures of life right now. I want to take a moment to read to you another story. Uh, It's a kid's story, but this is proof that kids' stories aren't only for kids. Uh, It's called The Moon is Always Round. I'm just going to read off. It's up on the behind me. But let me read some parts of this story for you. When I look up on a clear night, the sky is dark and the stars winkle and sparkle like diamonds. But the moon isn't always round. Dad said, the moon is always round, even when you can't see all of it. When Dad told me I was getting a little sister, the moon looked like a banana. But Dad said, the moon is always round. When the crib was put together, the moon looked like a slice of apple. But Dad said, The moon is always round. 
Even when I was told my little sister wasn't coming to live with us and after all the waiting, Dad said the moon is always round. When I waited at the hospital to see my little sister and we left without her, I asked, why, Daddy? And he replied, I don't know why, but the moon is always round. And when it was still just the three of us and we went to church to say goodbye, my dad asked me, what shape is the moon? I said, the moon is always round. And dad said, what does that mean? I said, God is always good. There will be moments in our lives where it's harder to see God's kindness to us. Uh, there will be moments in our lives where the moon isn't always round. But even in those moments, even when we look at the moon and we see bananas or slices of apple, we know that the moon is always round. And it's the same with God. Even though we might seem that God has left you, that God doesn't care for you, the truth is just as the moon is always round, God is always good. He will never change and he won't abandon you. The grace and love you have experienced is in Jesus is how God continues to love you today. Ruth 2 has reminded us of this, hasn't it? God has shown that he has provided for his people in seen and unseen ways. But how can we be so confident? How can Christians be so confident about this? Well, that is because of the cross through Jesus' death and resurrection. That is because of the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, who works in us, who marks us as one of his own, who regenerates and renews our hearts. God shows us his kindness like no other. He doesn't provide us with food, but he provides us with life. This is why we are so confident, even when the moon doesn't seem round. Sometimes it's really hard, isn't it? We find ourselves in the wrong place at the wrong time. Sometimes our experience is so overwhelming. You see, why Naomi's and Ruth's story matters for us is because it reminds us of how God provides. It reminds us how God works in the messiness of our lives. God is always faithful. He is always working in your life. Naomi and Ruth's story matters for us because it reminds us of how God lifts people up from their bitterness and returns them back to rest. You see, if we step away today thinking that Ruth 2 means for us that we need to find a Boaz or to be a Ruth or to find your Boaz and find your Ruth, we have missed the point. What we see here in Ruth 2 is that God provides in seen and unseen ways. God provides for his people through Boaz, like Boaz. He pours it out through Jesus, but God also kindly provides for us today. I want to take a moment here 
and ask you to look around the room today and imagine the other faces that aren't here today that would be in this room. This is God's kindness to you. The brothers and sisters sitting next to you, those who have lovingly, patiently, perseveringly reminded you of God's love, pointing you back to Jesus time and time again. Those who have lent hands to you when you're physically or emotionally or spiritually in need. Those who are sitting right here, right now. Those who first invited you to church, who have read the Bible with you, who've prayed for you, this is God's unseen kindness to you. God has shown us kindness through Jesus, but God continues to show his kindness through his people, his church. So I have one thing I want to call us to do today and tomorrow and every day going forward. Whether you find yourself in the right place at the right time or whether you find yourself at the wrong place at the wrong time, I want us all to take a step back from the busyness of our lives and ask, how have you seen God's kindness in your life today? Because as we do that, we will be reminded that God is faithful, that God is at work even though it doesn't seem like it. It will remind us that God is always good even when the moon isn't always round. God has shown his kindness to us and he has provided life to us, ultimately through the blood of Jesus. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are always good. We thank you that you are the same today, tomorrow, and forever. We thank you that you have shown us your kindness, that you love us, that through Jesus we are restored, that you have gifted us the Holy Spirit and marked us as your own. We thank you that through your Spirit we are your people and that you continue to uh, regenerate our hearts. We thank you, Lord, that you are always here with us, that you will never abandon us. But we recognize, Lord, that in our own lives, in the messiness of our lives, through the brokenness of this world, it may seem that you abandon us. But we ask, Lord, that through these times, we will hold firmly to our faith. Through these times, we ask, Lord, that you'll be a comfort to us and that you'll provide for us in ways unimaginable. We ask, Lord, that you'll keep hold of us, continue to be working in our hearts. If we need to grieve, let us grieve with hope. If we need to, to, uh, to be sad, let us be sad in hope. If we need to be questioning who you are, Lord, remind us of who you are. We pray, Lord, that you will strengthen our faith in all of this. And we ask this in your son's precious name. Amen.